0: joined right now by one of my favorite dudes the outstanding radio play-by-play announcer for the la chargers also co-host of the believe in chargers podcast co-host of the long-running petros and money show on amklac in los angeles he is matt money smith matt how you living my brother what's going on how is everything
1: No, everything's great, man. It's great to hear your voice again uh, and have a conversation with you, Jim. It's been a while, so I certainly appreciate
0: it. You too, Matt. I appreciate you very much, man. Great to have you back. Thanks for doing it. Let me ask you first, what a weird Monday night game that was last Monday. The Jets' defense, Matt, was pretty dominant. Justin Herbert had arguably his worst game as a pro, and yet the Chargers still slap the Jets. They get back to five hundred after winning back-to-back games. Given there are some pretty good teams, but no single dominant team, where would you slot the Bolts among playoff contenders in the AFC right now?
1: I think I, you know, I I'd, I'd take the coward's way out, Jim, and slot them TBA. Um, I think they're good enough to make a run, but I don't know if we should buy in yet, right? So after that win against the Jets, who are four and three, they're two and nine against teams with winning records going back to the start of 2022. You know, and they ended up ten and. Seven, uh, had that 27th lead against the Jaguars, and we were really re- feeling really good you know, about a trip to Kansas City uh, against the Chiefs team they had already essentially traded punches with. One game went to overtime, one went down to the wire, and it all just kind of came apart. So I don't really know what – I think most people don't really know what this team is yet. You feel really good about some games on offense, right? The game against the Dolphins, the first half against the Chiefs, the first half against the Raiders, the game against the Bears. Uh, and now we've had ten straight quarters – complete dominance by this defense the second half of the chiefs game uh which really was just a 51 yard punt return and a short field for a touchdown the only points gave up that whole second half and now these last two back-to-backs against some offenses that were struggling so look i feel like they could beat anyone and i feel like they can lose to to anyone because i just they got to stack some wins and that's why this week against the lions is so important get to five and four and you know what? I'm going to say, yeah, I think they got, they, they got it in them to make a run at that number one wild card spot like they held last year.
0: Couldn't appreciate that answer any more than I do. In fact, you beat me to it, Matt. Matt Money Smith, my guest. I was going to say, we'll get a real barometer, a real check, a heat check this week against the Lions. Like, I've jocked them pretty hard dating back to last season, and why not? Like, there's a lot to like about the Lions on both sides of the ball. Very critical game, as you point out. As you study this one, how do you think the Chargers match up? What do you think this one comes down to?
1: I think this is um, very similar to like uh, uh, an SEC showdown, right? Hey, we're both good. We both know what we're going to do and let's see who wins, you know, what essentially is a street fight. And that's defensive line versus offensive line. That that old line of the Lions has been so good this year. You know, I mean, Penay Sewell's been an anchor on the left side right in the center, Decker on the other side. And the Chargers defense, man, has just come alive, particularly up front. This is the best I've seen Joey Bosa in a few years. He's healthy. You see the explosiveness. He sets the edge so you can't run against him. Brees Hall only had 50 yards. That The Bears came in with over 160 each of their last four. They held him to, like, 70, um, and that put him into forced passing situations, and then they teed off, and now – with the emergence of Thule Tua it's a name that maybe a lot of your listeners aren't too familiar with. He played at SC uh the last couple of years and they haven't been too dominant, but he has been special. The second round pick, man, he is he, he had two sacks against the Jets, and he's got Jim, he has got these hockey assists on these sacks. It's his pressures that are leading to Khalil Max nine sacks, to Morgan Fox's five and a half, to Joey's six and a half. So I think it's those those three guys that are playing together now, and Joey and Khalil are stacked, or Joey and Thule are stacked on the same side, and it's really a problem for teams. So now we're going to get to see how much of a problem is it for one of the better old lines in the league.
0: In fact, truly, Matt, got us paid last week. The big head and I, James Kelly, on a prop bet. So, yeah, absolutely, he was dominant. We're talking to Matt Money-Smith. Hey, Matt, what about the other team in L.A.? What about the Rams? Like, contrary to what Samuel L. Jackson thinks, and he made it pretty clear on the X the other day, I think Sean McVay has actually done a hell of a job this season, even with the Rams at 3-6. and six. Clearly, Matt, the bill has come due after the f picks to the Super Bowl do you think that mcveigh has got the stomach to see this rebuild through all the way through in L.A.?
1: Well, I think, Jim, I think a lot of it's going to come down to, look, I thought, and I'm with you, right? I'm with you 100%. I think they've done better to, to be where they are, you know, and they should have beat the Steelers. You know, that was a, that was a game they let the kicker give away. So they competed with the, the Eagles. They competed with the 49ers, competed with the Bengals, right? And they've got three wins. I thought this was going to be a -a tankathon. I really did. I thought Stafford was going to be put on the shelf. I thought Stetson Bennett was going to start a bunch of games, and they were going to make that run at Caleb Williams. And, you know, this can be the – maybe this is sort of the Charger employee and me talking, but you have just seen a shift in this market with with the young, with how many Justin Herbert jerseys I see on kids around town. He's a superstar. You know, the Chargers have a legitimate – superstar at the quarterback position and you know as great of a player as Matthew Stafford is he's just not someone that that fans can sort of relate to he's a he's a a University of Georgia Detroit Lions quarterback he even won a Super Bowl with him and you just don't feel the traction so that's what I thought this team was going to be going in hey let's go get Caleb Williams if that doesn't work out Drake May feels like a superstar and so I'm anxious to see what direction they go here, you know, now that maybe McVay was willing to relent and, and accept that that might be the fate, like you said, with 40 new players, a ton of undrafted free agents, uh, guys that were claimed off, you know, waivers that are starting for them. Um, and I think he's done a heck of a job. I really do that to me, like that score in the green Bay game doesn't really tell the tale of, of it was a competitive game, you know, and Brett Ripon just wasn't up for it. So, I'm anxious to see how he plays out the rest of the string. By no means do I think he's done a poor job at all. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this team ends up with six, seven wins.
0: You know, to your point, I'm not an employee of the Chargers, and I could not agree with you more. Justin Herbert, although he is a neighbor, and I know that's a bad name drop, Although he is a neighbor and I never get invited to the victory barbecues that I know exist and are a real thing. Man, he is a stud. He is a superstar. He is relatable. And I agree with you. People do love him in this town. And understandably so. Matt Money Smith is my guest. Matt, so we have to endure the Jets again in primetime Sunday. but, But the caveat is we get to see the Raiders and whether or not they can build on that beating they laid on the Giants. Dude, I have to admit... I like Josh McDaniels, he has deep jungle roots, but from the looks of things, I might be one of the very few. Can you believe the way the vibe and that team flipped the second they broke him off? I get that it's the Giants, but have you ever seen anything switch or change as quickly as that? Well, it's
1: funny, I kind of did, Jim, and it was with Rich Passaccia, right? You know, a couple years ago, when John Gruden went out and you heard about the battles that that Gruden was having with Carr and just kind of how much control he wielded over the team and how the team wasn't crazy about him taking so much credit. You heard about that in Tampa. You know, you heard about that with the Raiders. And so you saw when when they cut him loose, and, and here's Rich Basacha who's – you know, not really someone anyone's familiar with. And they go on this run, and you can talk about the opponents they played and, you know, the quarterbacks they faced to end up punching their ticket into the playoffs. All I know is I was there week 18 for that Sunday nighter. It's one of the greatest football games I've ever been blessed and have been able to call, and it ended up in a loss for the side that I was on, but it was still that special. And I think that's what you saw, right? You saw a team that was freed from what was to some degree, a guy that was a, my way or the highway. I'm smarter than you. I know what I'm doing. It's my scheme. It's my offense. I can make a high schooler, a pro bowler because I know what I'm doing. And I think that just gets old for guys. Look, because I work with a team, I get to travel with the team. I see what these guys look like after games. They look like they've been in a car crash. You know, you hear that and it's a, it's a metaphor, but it, It looked that way. They're wrapped in ice. They walk slow. It's like that for 48 hours. When they're out there getting their heads kicked in, and you got a guy talking about my scheme this and the play wasn't executed right that, I think that wears on guys. And and to have Antonio Pierce, who they can relate to, who's very energetic, who we knew was a leader as a player, I think he probably tapped into something that these guys – you know, really wanted to cut loose with. And and they just happened to have the right opponent to be able to sort of flex. And we'll see whether or not this offense can do it against a very good Jets defense.
0: Exactly. I was going to say, we'll find out about that. But to your point about Passaccia, I was going to bring that up too, and you beat me to it. I mean, back then, Mark Davis, like I... I don't know what's going on in his head right now, but we saw how he handled that then. The players wanted Basacha. They loved him, but Mark Davis bypassed him. He wanted the splashy hire. It blew up in his face. I mean, do you have any idea? Like Antonio Pierce, he doesn't have the experience, but he very clearly has their buy-in already. He has their respect. He wants to be the guy to restore the Raider pride. Do you think he's got any shot of getting that team straight and on a run and keeping that gig? Oh, I
1: think it's the it's the major league uh, that that's it, man. It's win them all, <laughs> get to the postseason, or they're selling the team. You know, I think that's that's probably what his fate is. You said it. He wanted the splashy hire. You know, that's 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 what his dad was doing, right? He would make the splashy free agent signings, even though people were like, "Wow, that guy doesn't really have it anymore." But it's a big name, which is why I think with all the heat on Michigan, like all the people that are tying Jim Harbaugh to their I think it, to me, that's, yeah, that makes sense. I could totally see him doing that unless, because remember, they got a pretty gnarly schedule. They still have the Chiefs twice, and obviously it looks like they're going to be tangling maybe with Baltimore for the best record in the AFC until the end of the season, so it's not like they're going to be letting off the gas. They still have the Dolphins, you know, they still have the Chargers who beat them up, you know, 24 0 in the first half of that game and then just kind of coasted to victory in the second half, so. It's stacked against him, you know, to, to try to keep this thing going. But I could see it, you know, he, maybe he recognizes the error in his ways the last time and should have just kept the Sacha and, and should have kept Mayock, who made some pretty nice picks on the back end of those drafts after John Gruden maybe got out of the way of those first rounders. Um, but they still have, Jim, they still have a serious talent issue. Like, they that, that thing would be best served being completely torn down and rebuilt because, man, you just look along the lines outside of Max Crosby and Colton Miller, outside of Devontae Adams, and they need a lot of help there.
0: Matt Money Smith joining us. Matt, before you go, a couple of things. You've done... Countless coaches' interviews in your career, on radio, on TV, for podcasts. Have you ever heard an answer like the one Robert Sala gave when asked why he was sticking with Zach Wilson? Instead of giving Trevor Simeon a chance, he invoked his Fifth Amendment rights. Like, easy, Bob. It's a local radio interview, not a congressional hearing. I mean, how awkward was that?
1: It was super awkward. I'll tell you what, Jim, we were walking— uh, I was with Daniel Jeremiah, who does the games with me, and Shannon Perrin, who's, who's our sideline person. And we were walking together, and they were playing his post-game presser right after that game. You know, on the on the PA as we were walking out, and he was asked about why they were running hurry up and why they were passing so much in the first half, and he said, "Well, look." You know, I feel like we had some, some really good success doing that. You know, we crossed midfield twice.
0: <laughs> incredible. <laughs>
1: it's like, if that's the measurement of success, this poor guy who's this defensive coach and has this incredible unit, I think he's just, his brain is so twisted into a pretzel. He do not know what the heck he's saying because he can't, it's, I can't imagine having to coach that offense when you have a defense that is that good.
0: So you can you imagine what the defense must think, and yet they're out cool. there flying around and keeping their mouths shut and being pros about it. And, Matt, really quickly, before you go, you mentioned DJ. Frankly, dude, if there's a better guy than you and there may not be, it's DJ. What, what's DJ like to work with? He is one of my favorite people ever. Not only is he one of the best people I've ever met, he is so unbelievable at what he does and what he knows. What's it like to share a Booth with him?
1: It's incredible. I'm, I, you know, I'm the luckiest person uh, in sports. And I try to say as little as possible so he can have as much time as possible. There are very few people that can see a, a play like he can. And for people that don't know, you know, he was a quarterback, and it's not like he was a quarterback at Alabama, but this is a guy that was a starter at Appalachian State, a starter at, at Louisiana Lafayette. So he's a Division One quarterback, and he sees it, man. When, when that play is over, it is incredible how much detail he will give Oh, yeah, so great pull there by the guard. They double teamed. It was great to see him combo block. The one thing, though, he might have missed the tight end. I think he's going to flash open right We that thing lose left sideline for a gain of six. We could have maybe had a gain of 12. That's the kind of stuff that you get. And, I mean, it's immediate. I, as soon as that play is over and that ball is spotted, I say, you know, gain of six, second down and four, and it's all his for the next 40 seconds. That's the kind of stuff. And I'll tell you, Jim, like, these things before they happen he can how the play callers are seeing a defense up putting an offense up and, and very Tony Romo-esque it's not like he sees the formation oh I know what's going to come he's like you know what I feel like this is leading to x play and it inevitably happens or you know what I've seen the way this guy is, is manning up and giving him inside leverage he's going to jump around here you watch and it'll happen he's just he I know I'm gushing and I'm talking too much here but he's that good he's uh... I can't encourage people to listen to the games enough, our Charger games, not for me, but just to hear Daniel Jeremiah's analysis, and you'll you'll feel so good about it.
0: Actually, for both of you, but he does have a beautiful football mind, to be sure. Matt, before you go, one last thought. Since you host an iconic local show here in SoCal on the Dodgers flagship station, just to mix this up really quickly, is there any way the Dodgers don't throw down the half a bill or whatever it's going to take to sign Shohei?
1: I think they'll throw it down, Jim. You know, whether or not he takes it, you know, is up to Shohei. But yeah, they, they, I can't imagine they're, they're not going to be outbid. Um, it will ultimately come down to whether or not Shohei wants them. They need them. They, they just need them. I feel like that team needs some juice. It just feels too flatlined. You know, the, the way that, and they're professionals and they're incredible players, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. But, you know, when Miguel Rojas is kind of your emotional leader in the postseason, arrived, you know, six months prior to that, some just didn't feel right. And I think Otani is the perfect person. And, and what, this goes for any team, right? He, they need juice. They, as, as talented as they are, this is what they set themselves up for with David Peralta and with all those young pitchers and not going out and signing a big-name free agent and not making a huge splash at the deadline they, and take on more money. They set themselves up to sign Shohei Otani to a a half-a-billion-dollar deal. And I think if they don't get it done, especially with Corey Seager, Jim, with Corey Seager, who should have never, ever been allowed to leave the Dodgers unless it was his choice, and I don't feel like that was the case. They traded for Trey Turner. They traded for Mookie Betts. They sent all the signals out that they were maybe going in a different direction. But because of how it's worked out with Corey Seager now, I think they absolutely have to win the offseason to to appease these 4 million fans that go to these games every year.
0: Can you imagine, Matt, if, for instance, Chicago, they already took their big swing with Craig Council. What if they stepped up? What if they came up with the money? What if all of a sudden, and I'm not sure, like, you got to, what does Shohei want? You know, obviously the money, but he wants to be comfortable. He's got a certain way of doing things. I mean, is there anybody out there that you think, not to be greedy with your time, but is there anybody who could match that offer that might have a more attractive situation in Shohei's mind than L.A.?
1: The only one I can think of, Jim, is the Rangers, you yeah. know, just because they just won the World Series. Um, it, there's no state tax, if he cares about money, you know, on a half a billion dollar deal, you're, you're talking about an extra hundred billion dollars in your pocket, you know, from that. So, or whatever it would be, 60, 70 million bucks, but you get the point. So like to me, cause I think he wants to win. You saw how he, you know, you saw how just the exuberance, the energy, the juice in the World Baseball Classic that we have not seen as a member of the Angels, right? When the stakes were the highest, striking out Mike Trout to win the world baseball class. Are you kidding me? Like, that's what that guy needs. So I think you combine the deep pockets, the fact they're the World Series champions, and the, the state no-state tax for, for the Rangers, that to me is the one that, that really stands out. As, as a potential looming threat to the Dodgers. Otherwise, everything we hear is he loved it on the West Coast. He loves Southern California. The Dodgers can sell him on 11 division titles, you know, in, or 10 division titles in 11 years. And they can sell him on, hey, man, you're Superman. You're coming to save us. You know, we've had Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. And, you know, all we got is the 60-season COVID World Series to show for it. We need you to push us over the top, so this town can get the parade that it so desperately desires.
0: That's why there is nobody like this in this town or any other town. Hey, money, how are the waves, or is it too windblown?
1: <laughs> no, I went out today, and it was it was a good auction. I got freaking shacked, dude. I ended up getting a. <laughs> I went to Bolsa Chica, and, and they were good. And um, I climbed into this left. I was sitting outside of everybody else, and it was you know kind of that rogue wave that showed up, and I got all geeked on it and I got freaking dusted, and I have had salt water pouring out of my nose all morning every time I bend over because I got crushed so hard. But it was worth it. It was absolutely worth paddling into that thing and giving it a go. So, yeah.
0: Dude, are those bros, are they pretty lenient, or does it get pretty territorial there?
1: No, that's that's an easy wave, man. Everyone's super mellow. And, you know, I've always kind of been a – I think you know me. I'm pretty laid back, so I don't get all – butthurt or bent if someone drops in on me, unless they do it on purpose and keep doing it over and over again. So, I think I go there pretty much every day starting in, like, November, mid-November, all the way through March or April. I'm there a lot. So, you know, it's a it's a good crew. There's enough old guys there that can, can regulate that I can just kind of kick back and, and pick my spot.
0: Dude, you are the absolute best. Matt Money Smith, <laughs> the outstanding radio play by play announcer for the LA Chargers, also the co host of the Believe in Chargers podcast, and the co host of the long running and iconic Petros and Money show on KLAC here in LA. Dude, seriously, that was so fun. I really appreciate you. Sorry to keep you so long, but I was having so much fun, man. You're the best.
1: Shoot, man. We could do it another 20, and I'd be stoked. I appreciate you having me, man.
0: You're the best, Matt. Matt Money Smith, he, I always say it whenever I talk to Money on the air and off the air. Pound for pound, Money is one of the most talented people I've ever met. He really is. He's one of the sharpest people I've ever met, but he is one of the most versatile and talented people I've ever met. We didn't even get into his whole music background. where He's also a legend. He had a great musical career as well. And has broken bands and such. He's just, he's one of the most interesting dudes and one of the coolest dudes ever. That's why I would keep him for 20 minutes like that. Like we just damn near did a podcast episode right there.